Welcome to The Dental Brief, the world's direct, right-to-the-point podcast produced to get you the information you need to learn and grow your practice. To learn more about our guests and find links to information discussed on our show, visit our website, dentalbrief.com. On to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. Uh, Today's episode we have with us uh, Marie Chatterley. Um, Marie, go ahead and say hello. Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. We're so thankful to have you on the show. We're here in Colorado, and I know you're based out of uh, the Denver area as well, correct? Yes, yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah so we're we're uh, we're in Denver too, and uh, we're dealing with some snow and some cold here, which is, I think, we're all pretty thankful for, considering forest fires here. Um, Marie, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background um, and tell us a little bit about CT mm-hmm. and Associates? Sure, I've been in the dental industry for about 15 years. My father is a practice broker and he started in 1988. So I grew up with him, you know, assisting practices with transitioning appraisals, consulting, all the above. So I joined him after my undergrad doing consulting, primarily starting with practice management and startup consulting, and then eventually joined he and Randon Jensen doing transitions later. And I've just loved the dental industry and have enjoyed all aspects of it, everything from practice management to startups to transitions. Yeah, that's uh, 15 years is a, is a great amount of experience. Um, and obviously, uh, CT, CN Associates has a great reputation. And that's why we're on, we have you on the show today. Um, let's jump right into um, our topic for today and, and the problem that dentists have um, trying to decide and decipher whether a startup uh, is right for them concerned, con, um, compared to uh, doing a transition and either uh, coming into a practice as an associate and then buying the practice or buying a practice outright. Um, what are some problems that you see and some dilemmas that you see that practices have while making that decision? Yeah, I find this is a common question that a lot of young buyers have as they're looking to acquire practice. Often what happens is there's not a lot on the marketplace available that fits even 70% of what they're looking for. So as a default, they start considering doing a startup practice. Colorado has been phenomenal with our growth rate over the last you know, 15, 20 years. We've just had so much growth in the residential area that we've been able to really support a lot of startups. And a lot of our startups have done very well, depending on the location that's picked. So I would even say even this year, co- considering COVID, we're likely to still have a number of areas that would easily support a new practice. So for that reason, I think we tend to get quite a few more individuals that are considering a startup while looking to also look at options to acquire practice at the same time. There's a ton of things I would consider though in managing the risks between these two different opportunities because they are two very different opportunities. So acquiring a practice that's existing that has a patient base is one that most people would argue feels a little bit less risky because there's already, you know, this ongoing patient care that's happening in the practice. So maybe you're looking to strategically grow that practice, but you can usually bank on the fact that you're going to do about the same that the seller did. So that can feel pretty comforting when planning financially to acquire practice. A startup is very different. A startup, you're really putting and investing a ton of money at the onset with the hopes of building that patient base. So the biggest problem I see, I don't know if it's so much of a problem, but maybe just something to consider with startups, at least this year. So as we've had a lot of recovery in our 
commercial development since, you know, 2008, really, every year the cost of construction has increased in Colorado. So we've had that in the residential side and the commercial side. So right now, I think most projects are around 160 to 170 a square foot for a build out. And even though the lenders are approving, you know, I guess I shouldn't quote what a lender approves, but usually it's somewhere around, you know, five, 600,000 for a startup. That's not really what a startup costs any longer. Most startups, by the time you acquire all of your equipment, do your full build out, even if you have some assistance and TI allowance from a prospective landlord, it's going to be somewhere between seven and 800,000 to do the full startup. And that's including gradually adding that equipment over the first couple of years, because most of the time you don't have the budget for more than a couple of chairs or a couple of operatories to start. So I think the cost is probably the biggest barrier I'm seeing right now in Colorado for startups. So even though there's quite a few locations, I would argue would still be very successful. Right now, I'm trying to think how I really feel about that for a young practitioner spending seven, 800000 on a new practice without any patient flow versus buying maybe a lower volume practice for three, four hundred, five hundred thousand, and then just growing that. So you really have to consider each opportunity and weigh those pros and cons. But I would say the financial investment at the onset here of startups in Colorado is probably one of the most challenging things to consider. Yeah, I think you make some really good points. The um, obviously every situation is different, right? And so we're we're talking about a subject without knowing exactly the property that we're looking at or exactly the practice that we're looking at. Um, so, you know, I highly recommend that our audience um, get with an expert, talk to someone such as yourself. Um, let me ask you this question. I know it's kind of a, a tough question. Um, and I'll tell you, it's kind of based on my experience. I, I, I talked to a young dentist who really want to buy a practice. Um, it's their goal. They think it's the smart way to go. Um, they they want to live in certain areas. So they want to buy a practice in that area. And then after two, three, four years of not being able to find the practice, they end up doing a startup. But it's not what they really want to do. Um, do you see, uh, are there any red flags um, that someone should look at and go, whoa, 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 you know, I should definitely not do a startup or whoa, 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 I should definitely not do a purchase? Um, are there any conflicts or just, you know, blatant uh, warning signs on either one of those? Yeah, you bring up a good point because I do find a lot of people that are doing a startup, it was not their first choice. They really were looking to acquire practice and they just could not find anything that was close to what they were hoping to find in a perspective opportunity, whether that be the location, number of operatories, I mean, a ton of factors. So I like to say, if somebody's looking to acquire a practice and it's close enough to the right location or it's an easy move to another location, maybe within like one, two mile radius. Sure. Maybe that still is worth considering a practice that doesn't have everything that you're looking for just to start with that great patient base and then to grow from that. Sure. I do think we have a ton of great opportunities that are quickly overlooked that kind of sit on the market for, you know, four to eight months that really have great potential for just as much growth as a startup. But just because there's certain things about the practice that are, you know, hindrance to generating interest, such as it has, has fewer than five operatories is a pretty common one. So I would, I don't know that there's a ton of 
I guess the list of red flags in acquiring a practice might be a whole nother conversation because there's so many factors I think are important in considering purchasing a practice to make sure it's an ideal fit for you outside of just the number of operatories and total collections. But doing a startup, I would say if I were to just list the number one thing that you could easily double check on your own would be the dentist to population ratio because it ranges so much within even the metro area of Denver. We have certain pockets that have a dentist population ratio of like one to 600 and certain pockets that have a dentist population ratio of one to 4,000. So obviously by me just saying that, I hope your audience can see that being strategic about where the startup is located is the number one thing. So if you have this ideal practice that just seems like the perfect spot, maybe it's the real estate component that just looks amazing or it's close to your home. If you do some research and see what the dentist population ratio looks like within a three mile radius of that practice, I think that's the number one thing you can do to help safeguard your plans in being successful with a startup. In Colorado, we find that most people draw their patient base from about a three mile radius of where they're located. So if I'm doing an appraisal of the practice and I'm looking at the zip codes in which majority of a patient base um, is drawing from, I would say 80% are typically always within that three mile radius. Sure. So that tells me people in Colorado don't drive very far to go to the right. dentist. There's some yeah. exceptions to that, but in general, they don't. So yeah. I guess the number one red flag would be just looking at that, the demographics first. Yeah. Or, and I, I always think there's some importance too, when I talk to younger dentists and, you know, when they're deciding what their niche audience, who they really want to work with, um, just a relative example, a year ago, a year and a half ago, talking to uh, someone who was doing a startup or looking at a transition, um, you know, it was really important for them. They wanted to work with young professionals. That was their, their target audience. Um, you know, really kind of the, the, the DTC, the Denver tech center crowd or the Denver crowd. And, you know, they were looking at buying a practice that was, uh, in the Parker Franktown kind of out away from that crowd, more the, um, suburban, um, you know, two and a half kids, a household type crowd, or even some of the areas, the South area of that is, is much older. Um, so, you know, really a startup made, it, made, made more sense for them to be in the area where the demographic of the type of people that they wanted to work with was. Um, so I think that's something that's really important um, too, in my opinion, anyways. Um, Marie, let's, um, let's kind of shift gears here really quickly. So there's a lot, there's obviously way more to all of this than we could go, that we could cover in 10 or 15 minutes. Um, so let me ask you, how would you recommend uh, someone go about finding a trusted professional, someone such as yourself, um, to help them with this, you know, probably one of the three or four most important decisions they'll ever make in their entire life? How would how would they find an expert to help them with that process? I really think the best way to find an expert is to talk to your colleagues and individuals that have used professionals that fall within what your objectives are, whether it be to start a practice from scratch or acquire practice to get a feel for their experience with those professionals, what they felt, you know, was good and bad about the experience. I mean, I think that's number one is just talking with people within the industry to see what other doctors have used different individuals, getting their feedback, and then obviously meeting with those professionals to engage if they're a good fit for you. Sure. That makes uh, perfect sense. We thank you very much for that information. Um, I want to encourage everyone to check out your website at ctc-associates.com. I've spent some time on the site. There's a great amount of information on here. Um, There's a lot of resources that people can use um, to kind of help them 
uh, get started on the on this practice. Um, Marie, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, we want to have you back, so let us know. Okay, thank you. All right, take care. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Did you know you can weigh in on today's topic on Facebook? Search The Dental Brief on Facebook or visit our website, dentalbrief.com, and just follow the link. We look forward to having you join us again on another episode of The Dental Brief.